वेलकम टू सन टॉक Listen, talkers around the table today discuss the opposites of dry. We'll think about dryness, roughness, stickiness, wetness, and other related phenomena. Why and how does one material stick to another? Are these notions scale, shape, state, and range dependent? can solids be sticky is wetness or stickiness an essential sign of life is blood itself sticky and why are bones dry how can strength of stickiness or roughness be measured what makes certain materials hydro or oleophobic is adhesion essentially a process of scaffolding is cohesion stronger than adhesion can there be a master glue that sticks everything how can superfluidity be designed and can there be a general meta theory of adhesion we are pleased and privileged to have two sin talkers with us here today dr nagraj balasubramanian He is a cell biologist and works in the area of cell adhesion and its role in normal cell function and diseases. He is from Mysore in Pune. And Professor Suman Chakrabarti is a professor of mechanical engineering and has research interests in microfluidics and nanofluidics. He is from IIT Kharagpur. So Suman why don't we set the ball rolling with you um with a very quick intuitive grasp you've been thinking of these things for a while now um in your mind and intellectually do you do you equate dryness and roughness like does does dry mean that it must be rough does rough mm. mean that it must be dry uh, um where do we go with that and there are obviously so many other notions that we'll unpack as we go forward yeah uh so dryness and uh, roughness stickiness all these things are related to some extent but they are not synonymous mm-hmm. for example uh, which, which of these is the most technical according to you like the most technical term so i would say that appropriate tec- technical terms should be roughness and weightability roughness roughness and weightability so what is roughness so roughness essentially means uh, the perturbations from a flat surface so if a surface you mean deviation from yeah it. deviation from uh, a flat surface so from that ideal flat plane yeah or something like that yeah so there are rare substances which are atomistically smooth right mm-hmm. uh, in engineering we always have surfaces which are rough there are exceptional surfaces which are smooth like mica is one such example mm-hmm. uh so taking that as a reference so if you could have undulations on so when you say it is exceptionally smooth you mean it's in its atoms. naturally yeah, occurring yeah, form yeah yeah naturally in its form it is uh atomistically smooth mm-hmm. 
and why why is it uh, i i am not a material scientist i don't sure. have a clear idea of why sure. but uh, uh, what i know is that all the practical engineering substances or substrates uh, as an artifact of the manufacturing process they tend to deviate from that ideal flatness right so roughness is a very important practical attribute to a surface and i noticed suman that you you're kind of equating flatness and roughness i mean of yeah. course they are uh, uh, i mean flatness is one of the attributes of a surface hmm. so uh, roughness is somewhat a fluctuation in the average location of the surface in the local scale so if you have a large scale fluctuation you call it waviness so waviness means you have a large wavelength and roughness means you have a small wavelength over which the structure is varying and mathematically you know in 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 things that naturally occur around us you know the table the chairs the yeah. pencil the things that we touch around ourselves all the time do they have a mathematical distribution of yeah this, yeah this so you can uh, for example represent them by gaussian noises or mm-hmm. uh, even you can uh, write those as a function of uh, some kind of fourier series uh, which includes certain wavelengths amplitudes uh, this kind of stuff so like sine cosine type of functions so essentially the amplitudes if they were all plotted it's it's all peaks and valleys peaks and, and valleys right so it it boils down to uh, localized changes in peaks and valleys and uh, would it be fair to say that smaller um materials have a certain kind of roughness vis-a-vis larger materials or does it not no, matter no 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 uh, this is uh, primarily governed by the manufacturing hmm. uh because every manufacturing process involves certain procedures which either adds materials or takes away materials you create composites yeah, or you yeah. shave things off yeah, and yeah. so on so either you machine parts off or these days there is something called as additive manufacturing where you add small things uh, even conceptually you could go like from atom to molecule to a larger system you can make conceptually i mean this that uh, may not be in practice so that act of making things makes things imperfect from Uh, from an idealized perspective and, and what is that a result of from an engineering standpoint like for example if we were shaving wood mm-hmm. um is it, are we unable to achieve as close to ideal flatness or smoothness mm-hmm. because of the because of the texture of the saw or the wood you know what i mean is, yeah, is it yeah. because of the instrument that we use to smoothen uh, it or it's, it's the other way around it's a combination of both it's a combination of both it's a function of the structure of the material that is being processed it's a function of the cutting tool also hmm. because the cutting tool has its own limitations right so uh, uh, the combination of this makes a surface which uh, in the engineering sense we call non idealized idealized yeah. means a perfectly flat one sure and where where does dryness come into all this okay so now uh, this is the interesting point hmm. so a surface whether it will be weighted by a particular fluid or not so this is the test of 
you know dryness or adhesion or whatever you say that you uh, imagine a simple experiment you have a fluid mm-hmm. put the fluid on the surface mm-hmm. and see how it is behaving so you just pour a drop of water pour on a, a drop of on, on a whatever, glass top whatever fluid on the on the on the glass top it's sure. a classical uh, example so how it will behave will primarily depend on two things one is uh, the roughness state of the surface that i have already mentioned and i will explain why why it is so sure and the other is the weightability that means uh, how the surface likes to be weighted by the fluid or not so that comes from a balance of adhesion cohesion and all these forces so for it. you wettability is a different dimension it, it it's not just a function of the matter it's a function of that interaction yes yes it's yes like what that solid liquid yes, interfaces yes. so uh, when when you define wettability you always define two materials and then you define the relative wettability of one on the other mutual right? how mutual, much does mutual, one wet the mutual. other so uh, you never say that what is the wettability of glass you say what is the wettability of glass with respect Vis-a-vis to water with respect with to respect to does any of this make sense to you yeah. um, i mean for yeah. example if you look at you know living bodies and so on i mean how how i know we're dealing with we've used the word ideal a few times uh, mm-hmm. yeah. we're already in funny territory but yeah. obviously the body is kind of non ideal it's an evolved thing yeah. Yeah. how how smooth are cells how smooth are you know all, all yeah. kinds of organelles I, that I, exist i think there. the context is uh, a, being important is 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 very true here as well uh-huh. right i mean it's it's always got to do with uh, what your um, what is binding to what um, that will determine uh, outcomes that will also determine how you um, perceive this or or um, how a tissue perceives this but uh, the notion of uh, i i think uh, suman brought in the point of both roughness/smoothness and wettability hmm. so if you stick to the first part which hmm. is just roughness or smoothness hmm. which let's say is a somewhat more absolute hmm. kind of parameter hmm. um would it be fair to say that cells i know there are different kinds of cells and right. so on so please right. make it as complex as you want right. to but how how smooth are these so so one point i think even in context of what suman was mentioning is that um uh, at what scale you're viewing this right uh, does impact how you what you get to see and and therefore how you interpret so you know skin which is tissue for example uh, will uh, is smooth to a certain extent um, but uh, if you look at cells also uh, they have a membrane that is made up of lipids um, and lipids are smooth but i think for example i i don't know whether you thought of it is a mica but mica is more smooth than human skin right sure, that's just sure so the, i so, think uh, in context of um, um, cells even though we are looking at the membrane if you now go closer and look at it in context of uh, what um, kind of receptors are present on the surface of the cell uh, that no longer uh, that terrain no longer looks uh, smooth anymore because uh, you have all these projections um, you know variations in texture that the cell might carry uh, which will again determine how soft or smooth it's going to be so so the lipid architecture will influence Uh, a good part of it but that also 
uh, is constantly undergoing change in response to what's outside the cell, what's in inside the cell, um, and these to get two together uh, would eventually be determining what that surface looks and feels like. Hmm. So I don't know if that made sense. I think the point is that uh, I mean most of most living matter is meant to be porous, isn't it? Because there are all kinds of Sure. Exchanges of matter sure. and sure. fluids and so on that's sure. happening. Does that does that kind of automatically mean that there would be some kind of a very high lower limit to how smooth these things can be to begin with? Because they're meant to be porous. Sure, be but but that porosity is also regulated, mm-hmm. right? And in I mean the fact that with um, cells the environment is largely aqueous, the internal space is largely aqueous, and you have this border that's made up of lipids that is actually bifurcating the two. So the porosity... So when you say aqueous, you obviously mean that they are wet yes, by and large. Yes, yes. And, and, um, how, how squishy are cells? It will depend on the cell. So, so which is the squishiest cell, which is the driest cell? It doesn't matter what they call, but um, so what does it depend on? I know you so, say it depends. Yeah, it, it could depend on... Um, of course, the source of the cell, uh, you know, what tissue uh, it's coming from, the kind of cell. It could also depend on um, stages the cell is in. You know, for example, it's going through uh, its cell cycle and there could be stages where the cell is stiffer as compared to, uh, you know, a different a different stage in the cell cycle. So, you, uh, so you mean older cells are stiffer? So not necessarily. The cell is dividing. Mm-hmm. And if it's dividing and um, is going through this cycle, uh, there might be a point where the stiffness will vary because the internal architecture is changing. Right. Um, and that architecture obviously contributes to, if you push at the cell, what exactly you're feeling, uh, which would then be the definition of, uh, you know, whether it's hard or soft. These might be very small, subtle changes, uh, but I'm sure they're happening. Um, the environment the cell is in could also determine how um, you know hard or stiff it feels what do you mean by environment you, so, you obviously mean a super micro environment right yes um, also the um, the matrix that surrounds the cell for example will carry a certain stiffness so if you take a cell and put it on a softer matrix versus a harder matrix uh, the internal architecture of the cell responds to that uh, stiffness that it's seeing outside so you mean matrix would be a little bit like a scaffolding? It would be uh, like a scaffold that's kind of wrapped around the cell, um, and this so is it totally scaffold. totally envelops it by and large. Yes, yes. So I mean, in 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 tissues, it's a three dimensional architecture. So you can imagine cells that are sitting around, which are wrapped on all sides uh, by the matrix. In some places, cells will be uh, touching other cells as well. So these these matrix matrixes, what these are like fibrous bodies. Yes. So these are these are largely proteins. Well, how does one visualize them? These are long. So they're yes. They're, yes. They're so, polymers. So it's a mesh, if you want to call it that. Um, I think. But fibrous uh, mesh. Uh, fibrous mesh. Uh, the the thickness of these fibers could vary depending upon what is making them. The extent of cross linking that happens across fibers could also vary. And these cells are stuck. In the and center these here cells are stuck in this mesh. Inside this. Inside this mesh. So they are, um, you know, the uh, contacting this mesh uh, at different places. You know, they are trying to wriggle through. They are talking to other cells, but all encapsulated. And in how this. static is this, Nagaraj? Are, are they kind of moving around? So, so they will be moving around. The cells will 
jiggle if you put them in uh, in any kind of uh, matrix we've seen this in uh, you know you can take collagen which is a common extracellular matrix protein and and create a gel and you put a cell in it and you watch it over a period of time um and yes they are going to make protrusions but they will also have a slight jiggle uh, which if you are but it's a very localized jiggle it's right it's a localized jiggle right and and um and they are essentially trying to uh, scope their environment look for what's around uh, them they are also is the matrix drier than the cell so the matrix is again i know i'm looking for laws in biology which mm. doesn't help right so 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 the matrix is not standing alone it's it's perfused with whatever uh, liquid is around it so it's mm. if it's a mesh uh, you know the mesh is not empty mm. uh, you know there could be plasma there could be uh, you know all water, kinds of fluids fluid that that's filling that space um and and a lot of um, nutrients a lot of um, uh, molecules that the cell is uh, talking to are all being carried in this fluid right so so the matrix for example can hold on to things it can change local concentration of uh, you know certain nutrients um and and impact the cell so it's a mesh that is perfused with this liquid um and the cell is trapped in there um and the cell is reacting to what is uh, flowing around how, it how 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 thick are these like uh, when you visualize your materials suman are these is this similar because this seems to be a very fibrous liquidy mm, uh, things I gushing mean, around here and there cell stuck here the, and there the pretty dynamic the scales are amazingly similar is that so uh, uh, i will i will tell how, you how how what's the diameter of these i i know there are many different kinds of extracellular yeah, matrix yeah, and so they, on they, so i mean they could easily be a few hundred uh nanometers to a, a few microns uh in in thickness as well That's so pretty. so it so it does vary it does they're like highways for suman suman the pretty yeah, large so so in some cases the cells can actually use them to navigate and move from one place to another and this is known particularly in situations where the cells are trying to migrate for example so they could on, on the surface of on, the yeah so th- this is a three dimensional structure mm. so it is using that it's uh, it's network. it's in a way like crawling on a pipe um it, which is surrounded by many pipes yeah, it's yeah, not one pipe you know with nothing on top yeah, you know there are because it's a mesh there are pipes all around it and it picks one and maybe uses that to go forward so it's obviously pretty wet there no it is it is ab- absolutely i mean the the entire space is uh, is hydrated um, you know maybe with varying viscosities uh, depending upon where this tissue is and and what's what it's actually but seen. still very specific regulation is happening there are all kinds of uh, mechanisms at work so it's, it's it's also pretty specific it's not all mixed up it's uh, it's specific in what's happening at that particular point of time right um it's mixed up for the fact that um, there are so many things happening at that particular point of time right so the cell is not just responding to one thing it's a composite of all these elements that it's feeling and then saying okay i i do this now uh, because this is what uh, the these cues are telling me are do. these like how do you visualize this like the the, the picture that nagaraj has mm. painted for us suman these sound like capillary tubes yeah what? yeah yeah so so this is technically called as a microcirculation system mm-hmm. so uh, in a microcirculation system so if you imagine the architecture the hierarchy of blood vessels so you have uh, starting from large arteries to large veins small arteries 
small veins, arterioles, venules, and then microcapillaries. So these are in the reducing order of dimension. So these microcapillaries are essentially networks of small microchannels. So networks of microchannels, very, uh, I mean, connected in a in a very complex manner in a matrix, and uh, the cells can essentially proliferate across this and it is amazingly interesting how it does so by I mean, do these crisscross or these are how, how so, i think one is trying to get the picture right yeah, right so the microcapillaries or the capillaries that suman is describing uh, would all be lined by cells hmm. um, and these cells would then have uh, a, you know a ring of matrix right uh, you know things like elastin for example which is what allows the capillaries and the blood vessels to have the flexibility a little bit of that elasticity that it has is, right? is is actually a matrix protein hmm. um, and so there is a lining of that and underneath that is a layer of cells. Hmm. Um, and, you know, the microcapillaries, uh, the number of cells that line such a microcapillary will be very different from a capillary versus, uh, you know, a bigger blood vessel. But they all carry that same architecture. How do, they, how do things flow then? Yeah, yeah. So this is essentially, uh, I mean, governed by the principles of fluid flow in microchannels and I mean, maybe nano channels in these cases, micro channels are the relevant ones because we are talking about micro capillaries. So, the fundamental science of motion of fluids uh, doesn't change if you uh, go from an engineered small device to a flexible uh, blood vessel in the human body. Hmm. The fundamental principles do not change. But what changes is the fact that, you know, these uh, biological systems are very, very unique and individualistic. Like if you, that, that makes these things very complex. I will give you an example. So if as an engineer, I make a micro channel or a nano channel, whatever, I have a control over my manufacturing process. So I know that this is the manufacturing process. This is the material. These are the parameters involved. So this will give this particular surface as an outcome. Uh, that surface will have some roughness, weightability, whatever. And uh, then you uh, have a fluid uh, by some external driving or sometimes by local electric field also fluid may start flowing. And the fluid will flow uh, by its interaction with the surface. So there, the question of the you know slip slipperiness, Slip, slipperiness uh, slip, comes uh, all, all all those yeah. things come come into picture. Uh, but fundamentally, uh, you know the laws of physics and to some extent physical chemistry, which governs the ion distributions in all these channels, these are well established and well known. What makes it very complicated to apply these laws to real biological systems? is the uncertainties in many of the parameters. Like, for example, if you have a blood vessel. Uh, now, the blood vessel has a unique elasticity. And so... What do you mean unique? Unique. Uh, in yeah. the sense that it's not easy to engineer that? It's not only not easy to engineer that, it is very uh, 
difficult to ascertain that even for a human being as a maybe a patient. So, uh, you mean it's not possible to determine what the elasticity of my blood vessel is? Uh, see, elasticity itself is not a complete term in that case. I will I will explain you why. So, blood vessels have their diameters, uh, local diameters, which are functions of many things. One is local blood pressure. Now, uh, if you have an engineered system, you make a surface which may be flexible and you may control the diameter of the vessel, uh, engineered vessel. But because the blood pressure is always changing, the diameter is always changing. Blood pressure and you do not know what is the mathematical function that relates one with the other. And it depends on so many things. For example, if you are emotionally stressed, it, it, it might lead to something. If you are diseased, it might lead to something and all and the same emotional stress, same disease might lead to different types of, you know, variations of blood vessel uh, architecture depending from the variation, depending on the variation from one individual to the other. No, I think that's okay. I think we, we're not trying to establish whether one can physically or in a lab manufacture engineered items which are like biological materials i think one understands that for many many reasons where it's very difficult i think the question is to kind of try and develop a picture for how sticky or dry that environment is and and you know whether it is so for example are there naturally occurring sticky substances in 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 the physical world like does it mean can, can one say as a almost as a law, a capital L law, that if something is sticky, it's quite likely that it's somewhere around life? Or, mm. are, yeah, you, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so in, in an engineered system, you don't have substances which are, you know, uh, quote unquote sticky uh, by itself. Sticky or slippery by itself. Because you, you made that to, interface point. Uh, uh, you, you tend to engineer the surfaces by maybe by putting a coating. So, for example, uh, there are uh, polymeric substrates. How do you make something slippery? Yeah. So, uh, if you want to make something slippery, you have to make sure that in the uh, undulations of the surface, no liquid will be trapped. Mm. Yeah. Because if liquid is trapped, then, you know, the liquid will not move very fast across the surface. So, the key to your understanding should be that you have a small, a very thin layer of a gas phase or a low density phase that separates the surface with the liquid. This is the key role or the key motto that you need to have to design the surface. But how do you design a gas phase around the solid? Yeah. I mean, how do you let it be there? Yeah, yeah. So you, you do not let it there as it is. So, there is a process called as spontaneous phase separation. Mm -hmm. So, if you have a surface, uh, see, this is governed by laws of thermodynamics. Sure. So, if you have, if you leave a system as it is, a system will try to attain its minimal free energy. Right. And uh, that's its stable configuration. Right. So, if you keep, if you bring a gas-laden liquid, maybe say a mixture of water and then water will separate vapor. automatically they will separate like automatically and this phase separation is triggered by the 
interactions between the fluid and the solid got it are your environments nagaraj slippery like are cells slipping on these extracellular matrix by slippery i mean how it how slippery are these interactions so, how so, friction free are these interactions so uh, the cells obviously um, have um, ways to bind things mm-hmm. right so the, i mean uh, there are cells which are moving around very rapidly rbcs if you see uh, you know in blood Look, that's going around in the blood stream that's going around in the blood stream so so they obviously bump into things and will also have the potential to get uh, held back for short periods of time uh, you know and and then let go and and move further it's not like um, rbcs at no point get uh, don't uh you know hold on to anything in the blood vessel what do you mean like so, they, they're colliding with other so they're colliding of... with other cells they may be colliding with the cells that line the uh, blood vessel itself um and this could be mediated by just uh, so if two if two rbcs collide do they stick together or they so, there's so, an automatic repulsion so there might be so for example there are van der waal forces that will bring uh, cells together uh, these kind of associations interestingly people have studied and seen that depending upon the kind of cell that association or that uh, force will vary Hmm. um and uh, this is independent of what uh, kind of receptors would be there on the surface um, and how they contribute hmm. right so that will be another level of regulation to uh, create stickiness you brought an rbc so like blood for example mm-hmm. is blood sticky like does it stick to the blood vessel or it's not supposed to right so because it, it's flowing it, around yes it is flowing around and the and the force with which uh, blood flows also contributes uh, or determines how sticky this cell would be hmm. so so if you dramatically reduce the flow uh, you know chances are it will linger um, and the rbc could now uh, you know bind things that otherwise it would not it's it's this standard picture right if it's a very strong gush of water it just goes fast takes everything as way something to that something so like there that. is a uh, a standard uh, flow at which blood is flowing in our blood stream and that is contributing to maintaining uh, the status of these cells uh, that are lining the blood vessel and the things that are flowing through so so if you are a cell that actually needs to bind and anchor to a certain site um, it has to be now uh, you need to have a capability that you can do this uh, against this particular uh, you know flow right. rate right um, and and so you are now looking for a way to interact which will be more uh, specific more direct stronger than just um, you know you bumping into another cell right and which is where um, it cannot be accidental it has it, to be yeah, exactly. pretty specific and, and when you do catch on Uh, you want to hold on for a certain period of time to allow you to maybe figure out whether there is something happening there for this cell to so react. how does that work nagraj so if i if i if i have a wound and i cut my skin mm. and obviously you know mm. it seems to heal pretty mm. quickly mm. Mm. Uh, so, so obviously so, there are all kinds of sticky things that kind of come there and it all happens automatically so what's the nature of that process so so since you described you know having a wound you fall and you scratch yourself mm. um see the The and then a scab develops on it obviously there are corresponding processes happening inside and right. so on so so that that is uh, so that triggers any damage that happens to cells hmm. um to your skin um triggers uh, the release of 
uh, things that uh, you know attract uh, these cells that need to now come there um, and maybe what are these things and cells? So, so for example, <laughs> there are chemoattractants of hmm. different kind that cells uh, release when they actually um, are uh, damaged. Um, or in some cases they are dying um, and this is again entering this aqueous milieu no, I think, that they are I think in. one is trying to again form a picture of these things so if there's a cut right. so what this, happens is so there's something like a glue develops no so these are cells so the, the body cell, transports something there or, or the cells themselves have this material inside them right so this and is what something that? that the cells have there which will be released what is that called so it could be uh, as I said chemoattractants that the cells sure. uh, these are proteins largely that the cells have that normally would not be released mm. and once they are then there are cells which will be responding to it mm. uh, now that gets carried so you know the blood vessel is right next to this somewhere uh, right. where the wound is happening right um, and um, you know because it's an aqueous environment things diffuse and then blood itself seems to have a tendency to coagulate sure now that is a actually uh, a cellular response hmm. because um, you know there are cells that actually make it to that particular site through the blood vessel um, and then initiate uh, this fibrin clot that is eventually what becomes the uh, seal, uh, you know, which then heals. So fibrin also is some kind of a protein. It's also a protein that, uh, you know, and and uh, there are cells in the blood um, which actually uh, can generate or make this. Um, and, you know, they're coming to that particular site is what allows for um, that structure to be put so together. So how heterogeneous is that clue eventually? Is it all fibrin? Is it all just one kind no, of substance? No, it will, it, will it will be dead cells. Um, it will be fibrin. So uh, some kind of a composite mishmash of all kinds of yes. things. Yes. So for plasma, for example, also contains proteins. Hmm. Right? So there's a, a good number of proteins. It's not just fluid. Hmm. Uh, it's all these proteins that are mixed in that fluid. Um, and they also, proteins have the capability to coagulate, for example. Um, and What and is very interesting, Nagaraj, and I think this kind of holds for you also, Suman, is that there are materials that stick to other materials. There are materials that refuse to stick to other materials. And obviously, it seems like there are materials, they have a tendency to group together. Coagulation is one form of that. But in a way, I'm implying this distinction or similarity, uh, distinction rather between cohesion and adhesion. Now, is there a way of saying that is there a way of saying that one is stronger than the other? I know yeah, these yeah. are very different kinds of yeah. forces and phenomena, yeah. Yeah. but is that a way of saying yeah, something yeah. general about uh, it? So, uh, I mean, you can generalize this in many ways. So, I will uh, briefly talk about that how you do it on a molecular level right. because that is the most fundamental. Because eventually that is happening at that level. At, at that level that is happening. So, in the molecular level, you uh, collectively consider the attractive interactions and repulsive interactions separately. Mm -hmm. So, if you uh, bring two molecules or maybe one molecule and one ion, whatever, sure. could be charged or uncharged, uh, in uh, vicinity, so there will be some types of interactions. So, uh, these interactions might fundamentally originate out of electrostatic, van der Waals, these types of interactions. Multiphysics, all Multi kinds of physics, yeah. Sure. Uh, Coulombic, Columbic. Also, all I mean, kinds all, of forces. All kinds of forces. But you could essentially uh, classify them as attractive and repulsive. On balance, on, on a net basis. On net basis. Right. And uh, there, is an, there is a very interesting interaction potential 
that in a molecular dynamic system models these two together that is called as leonard jones potential mm -hmm. and uh, this leonard jones potential has an attractive component and a repulsive component mm -hmm. now the parameters that govern this attractive and repulsive component mm -hmm. these parameters are sometimes set up to you know match with observations in the physical world sometimes these parameters can themselves be set up from quantum mechanical calculations sorry i'm not sure i understand so what do you mean match the physical world match the physical world means say uh, imagine a flow through a nano channel right so you do a real experiment in a flow through a nano channel with certain uh, physical properties of the surface mm -hmm. and then you see a particular flow Mm -hmm. now you have in molecular dynamics certain artificial parameters i should not say artificial maybe certain fundamental parameters which are not macroscopically observable physical properties sure sure yeah these are some parameters They're highly localized it's specific to those molecules yeah, yeah. at that point in time yeah. there so you can fine tune with those parameters to get a behavior which the in 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 a certain way is mimicked by the practical engineered system and then you say that you know for for example for this weightability of the for this contact angle on the surface this should be my leonard jones parameter mm -hmm. so how so how does this help us answer this uh, cohesion addition question yes so now uh, so depending on these parameters uh, so once you can set up these parameters you get an answer whether cohesion dominates or adhesion dominates mm -hmm. and that actually dictates the physics altogether when you go to a little bit of more macroscopic description mm -hmm. you combine or you interpret these in terms of certain forces mm -hmm. for example surface tension as a force sure so surface tension is essentially a competition between cohesion and adhesion nothing more than that that's that's well put mm -hmm. yeah so if you have a greater adhesion than cohesion then you say that the fluid is wetting the surface can can any material be made to stick on another material obviously there would be an adhesive layer and something like that but what can one say about that there, why can't we not make something stick to something else uh, there there are possibilities by which uh, this this can be done so i will give you one example so till now we have discussed about uh, weightability roughness sure. all those things and maybe to some extent rheology which shapes uh, which, which came up uh, through this particular example of proteins in plasma yeah so uh, this is a very interesting example because uh, if you think of say uh, just a pure watery fluid i mean plasma by nature will be like a watery fluid slight yellowish color but you know almost sure. like a water. it's aqueous yeah. yeah it's aqueous but the difference between water and plasma uh, are we okay on that nagraj yeah, yeah, is plasma right. aqueous yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah i don't want to come across no, as no, no. yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, the plasma has these proteins like albumin globulin and fibrinogen sure and this fibrinogen forms very peculiar network structure and that alters the way in which the fluid responds to the stress 
the plasma responds to the stress so even adhesive mechanisms adhesion mechanisms are not only a one type there are many ways many architectures many yeah, of these yeah, networks yeah. and yeah, yeah. Man, it could just be a bond or it could be some kind of a diffusion yeah, it could be some yeah. kind of a layer yeah no i i'm also curious to ask suman uh, i mean if uh, you know so the fluid interacting with the surface is one thing mm-hmm. um and um, you have um, a cellular membrane mm-hmm. you know, which is now in that fluid mm-hmm. um, and its interaction with uh, a surface right um could be very different things yeah yeah right yeah. and and um, so now you have um uh, a surface you have a fluid which could be plasma or water as the case may be um and then you have this surface which is yeah. a lipid layer yeah yeah i uh, let let me uh, give a very simplistic engineering viewpoint to this mm. because you know mm. i am not by training a biologist so sure. i i may make mistakes in interpreting we'll go for the tough things to nagraj you give yeah. us the simple one yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, uh, the way i understand is that you know uh, let us say there is a fluid flow in the extracellular matrix there is a cell which is adhering to a substrate sure and the cells uh, the adhering cells will normally use their focal adhesion points which are the legs of the cell to you know adhere to the surface sure uh, so then what is happening is if there is a fluid flow around the cell so the cell will be stressed so when it is stressed uh imagine that like by by stress you mean there are shear forces there are shear forces sure uh so uh, like uh, and there is a natural tendency you know like let us say as a human being we are standing on a surface mm-hmm. if somebody is kicking us at our back we will feel first destabilized on our feet yeah like the cells also they first feel destabilized on their focal adhesion points nagraj i didn't know cells have feet huh? so, yeah yeah they 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 i mean they they crawl quite literally using these contact points um, you know almost like a caterpillar so you have a, a adhesion put in the front and something being taken out from so the back so they are hairy things so these are uh, the cells are not hairy the contact points are uh, like protrusions uh, or yes so so these contact points are like there is do this, cells have up and down and left and right i mean yeah. i mean directionally they are aligned or yes. configured so so I, as since we talked about capillaries and blood vessels i think one classic example here is how the cells that line the blood vessels for example respond to flow as as suman was just referring to and 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 align in the direction of flow Hmm. right so this is a very simple so but very elegant so just by just by looking at them morphologically you couldn't you can say that this is the direction in which yes, they flow yes and and if you change the direction and give it enough time you know a couple of hours the cells will reorient right, right in the direction of flow which means you know they have the capability to uh, detect this mechanical uh, flow uh, that's happening on top of them and respond accordingly uh, right and change their architecture because they have to now if they have you know to move and reorient there is a fair bit of change in their architecture that's required and i know we used the word flow a few times but at least within living bodies and so on mm. how unidirectional is it or are there currents and counter currents oh, and absolutely. one liquid going this absolutely. way another liquid going absolutely. that way and so on I, right I, so i mean you know when suman earlier talked about uh, this idea that um, it's uh, you know blood vessels uh, are very uh, difficult to predict their um, right. elasticity i think one of the properties here is that um, depending upon among other things they're the, adaptive things yes, they're just, they just they, they just reacting. become they're they become different beings right and and so um, you know blood flow at uh, 
um, at points where the capillaries are uh, splitting, for example, uh, is not uh, laminal anymore. Right. Uh, there is actually disturbed flow. And, and there are these very interesting... There must be a swirl or there something. There is a swirl. There are currents that are created there. Um, and this, therefore, means that the same cells, which uh, when the flow is uh, linear... Uh, are reacting a certain way. If they are sitting in that part of the blood vessel where the flow is disturbed, their response is different. Yeah. Right. So, so the way the kind of matrix that they are secreting is actually different. Is there a dry place inside living bodies? Like, how does one look for a dry spot? It's also, also wet and. I I think you know. I mean, are bones dry? Yeah. I I am so not in that you know classic sense unless you take a bone out and you know get rid of are there, everything are there? that it's. You know uh, uh, that that is flowing through it. So there is, there is, there are obviously there are. There's bone marrow and this and that. There are right, right. But they're all as long as there is a cell there, it's not dry. Yeah. Right? So I I think you know in all and is there a cell everywhere in the human body? Stupid question, but uh, pretty much I think you hmm. know or there is uh, some fluid there, hmm. right, which is carrying what the cells are making or what the cell needs. So, which 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 brings us to this beautiful question, right? Is stickiness or wetness an yeah. essential sign of life? Like yeah. you turn yeah. up on a planet, you look at something and it's squishy. You can say that there's life there. Is that fair enough? I so I'm not sure what it it will depend on what you define as life, right? Because um, uh, there could be a natural no, occurring trying- product, for example, um, you know, honey. Right, right. Uh, I mean, but honey, honey is, is a product of life. That's true. I mean, so, uh, but is it life itself? No. No, so, but like oil, for example, mm-hmm. if if there was the equivalent of oil, like right. oil comes because there were plants to begin with, and it got deposited, sure. got buried, and so on and sure. so on. So I'm just thought of this for a few minutes. Sure, sure. Now, is is it is it fair to say that? I know this is obviously speculative and hypothetical, but... Um, yeah, I, I I, mean, I have not thought of this question like you're asking it, which is, uh, you know, if something, in, if you go to a planet and you encounter something that's sticky, right? Whether does that mean... Is that a telltale sign that there's life there? Yeah, or must yeah. have been life at some point? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm inclined to think it could be indicative of processes that may be uh, you know suggestive of life but I'm not sure that's a clear demarcation you sure know, uh, I don't know how uh, Suman thinks about this whether yeah exactly now uh, like uh, in in the engineering world we deal with certain types of entities which are sort of between life and engineered living and engineered systems these are called as active matters yeah of course yeah so now you mean shoals and this, but they're, they're, uh, yeah active see. matters are you know i mean they can respond uh, in some like natural way to the stimulus yeah yeah, yeah respond as a whole to yeah yeah uh, so they are in some way dynamically mm-hmm. adaptive to the stimulus. No, that's fine. I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a speculative thought and who yeah. knows what the answer is. One can think yeah. about that a little bit. But I think going back to that question, Suman, of, yeah. is it possible to have a master glue? One thing that sticks anything to anything. Yeah. So I would say that right now such a master glue is not known. But, but what, uh, what's the technical difficulty with uh, that? The, the technical difficulty is that you really do not have a control of all the processes you know that gives a unique level of stickiness of one surface relative to the other what i find interesting suman is that even this business of adhesion or sticking 
is a result of this glue which goes from a liquid like state to actually drying up and becoming solid mm-hmm. you no know? that's it's it's a, it's a little funny because the glue doesn't stay liquid mm-hmm. after adhering mm-hmm. Mm. but but um, as far as keeping things uh, together are concerned it doesn't have to dry always yeah, yeah. for but them to be together keep, but for it to be together like for us protracted for it to be meta stable or something like that it kind of ends up drying almost all the time right but that depends on would what, you agree like uh, are there are uh, they are they glues that stay liquidy uh, for forever uh, that that's from yeah. the in action general experience in, of a glue but in, in mean, situ uh, as nagraj rightly pointed out that i mean uh, that need not always be the case hmm. uh, so coming back to the example of you know i mean what are the other possible influencing factors that could you know allow something to stick to a surface which normally would not stick right right uh, so being a fluid dynamist i can give you examples from uh, fluid flows so there are sub surfaces which are not naturally hydrophilic so they are hydrophobic in a sense that you know if you have water water will uh, simply slip on those surfaces I mean like a lotus leaf yeah yeah uh but in certain cases you might want uh a level of stickiness on that surface for example if you want a capillary action right or capillary action cannot be uh achieved uh, over such surfaces so what you can do is a magical thing that you put a salt you add a salt to the system some detergent or something yeah it's some a simple salt it may be sodium chloride potassium chloride so what does this all do yeah so in a in a system uh, where you have uh, these these kinds of ions added to water uh, a a peculiar phenomenon a very interesting phenomenon that gets developed which in a way leads to charge separation at the surface so this is called as electrical double layer phenomenon so and this is also there in biological systems not just in engineered systems so when this charge separation takes place so if in a system you have a high concentration of ions and interestingly uh, in many biological systems you use high salt concentrations in in molecular biology it is it is pretty common so then uh, these ions they these ions they preferentially get located on the surface there is a uh, again uh, electrostatics law that governs how these ions will be distributed and uh, it's a balance between electrostatic and entropic interactions that decides now how the ions will be distributed by that does it mean that a lot of the bodily environments are alkaline or no, not necessarily i think you know uh, so this um, as suman was saying this could be true in circumstances where you want to achieve this right right now one thing to consider in all of this is that uh, in in physiology not everything is wanting to stick to everything else yeah of course right? so so there there has there is that too that you know you you're trying to keep these things apart such that now when required there is a mediator like a receptor binding to something that allows now so obviously a third actor needs to come in so can hydrophobic interactions be made into hydrophilic yes, yes, in a way that's what, what That's what I was going to talk about. That's what so, is happening. So, so if so. you have a salt, right now, I'll, uh, so let us say some 
salt ions it might be sodium might be chloride depending on the ph of the solution sure so the question that you were asking that whether it is acidic or alkaline it depends on the ph of the solution itself sure so let us say that uh, it is uh, some ion some whatever positive or negative now these ions will by nature be hydrated Mm -hmm. so they because naturally for their stability they form hydration shells around that right so when these hydration shells are formed water which was earlier not liking the surface will now like the surfaces as mediated by ions because the ions are on on the surface so these water molecules have in a way become larger because the ions have come and stuck on them yes and not only that the more important thing is that the water molecules which were sort of freely gliding on the surface will now adhere to these ions and that is how the surface will have will achieve a sort of stickiness type of behavior although the contact angle will define it to be a slippery surface right so amazing yeah yeah this is this is uh, some recent research result that we have got and it, this is this is just beautiful but does temperature play a role in all this does temperature determine um because obviously there are all kinds of forces and yeah, we yeah. use the word thermodynamics exactly, a few times exactly. but and uh, does 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 do do some situations go from being dry or sticky to vice versa depending on which way the temperature goes because obviously you, you know I, what i mean you, you could change for example fluid itself right i think it's mm -hmm. uh, fluidity and properties um, other properties could change depending upon temperature uh, if you're looking at a fluid that has um, uh, proteins in it uh, like um, you know blood or plasma uh, clearly the the protein interactions will change depending upon temperature which could then affect things like viscosity right um, and and therefore change um, now how that fluid feels um, and how everything else now reacts in context of the fluid so so temperature will be a major factor i mean in physiology uh, our bodies are set to this temperature and we worry about that temperature uh, being the homeostasis higher. temperature yes, right right so. you know higher or lower um, and some of that has to do with the fact that um, uh, a lot of what we are programmed to do or the cells are programmed to do uh, is set um, to work optimally under those conditions so you know so and and that includes uh, you know how fluids are uh, you know working or uh, operating at that particular and level. how localized are some of these phenomena like for example if there's something happening in a micro environment at the tip of my finger um, does it matter how large i am and you know what i mean i yeah. mean are, are these i know we we've, we've discussed multiphysics and there are all kinds of forces and distant and small but how how localized or how globalized are these interactions and i'm i also want to go in the direction of cancer and tumor cells right because right. There, there are different cells that right right are somewhat more localized there are others that seem to move around quite freely right. so what's happening there so 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 the, there is a localized response for sure because you know any change that's happening um, you know will be felt uh you know more strongly more immediately in that local environment but clearly depending but the adhesion upon... forces are local forces right yes absolutely by absolutely. large absolutely yeah. but you're talking about 
the fluid itself yeah right and 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 the fact that so one of the uh, you know uh, ways to think about this is having such a network uh, a circulatory system that connects uh, all these different parts uh, of your body mm-hmm. is a fantastic way to get information moving from one end to the other yeah. right because you know you have something happening at one end and if there was no way for that part to communicate with the rest yeah right? if i again going back to the wound i had 20 yeah. minutes ago yeah. there right. would you be know, no way you, you will not take, you know it will take a while for everything to discover that you've had a wound right. uh, the fact that there is this cycle of blood that's continuously gushing through uh, you know every single uh, part of your body um, i think allows for things to be not only brought there to a particular point but also things to be carried from that point uh, you know to other places uh, such that the body now uh, reacts or responds accordingly no but uh, i think the question is uh, slightly more specific of mm-hmm. how how dynamic is this right is my liver cell going to my brain is my brain cell going to my toe right what goes around what doesn't go around and why right so so chances are things that are made in one part of your body will dissipate uh, to other parts it depends on uh, you know whether it's released it's expected to get into the blood system or not is it trapped locally or not uh, how long is this molecule alive right. uh, you know how does it diffuse all this will determine the rate at which this happens so there could be processes that could take a long time to you know affect other parts of your body and when you say alive so the cells that die or the whatever do they do they end up becoming dry so um, do they, they lose no, their moisture no 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 i i you mean know. so so when a cell breaks up clearly a lot of these parts are now either uh, eaten up by uh, you know other cells that are meant to clean this out uh, in some cases they may get trapped like you know your blood clot that you were referring to uh, you know some of this debris may get trapped in this fibrinogen mesh that is being made there so some will stay there you know if you if your wound heals um, you know some of this actually Uh, is being utilized for that is being utilized for that right so 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 it it doesn't dry up for sure right and and uh, it puts back some of what it has uh, you know back into the system um and and things will you know so so that dissipation that you were talking about how long it takes for something to go from one part of the body to the other will clearly de- depend on what is it that you're looking at then right. why do why do tumor cells float around why why are they so, going around so, from yes, because so, that's so, one of the problems with metastasis right yes, i think no, i mean normal cells probably do this too uh, it's just that uh, you know their uh, milieu is um, is, uh, is has a more restrictive effect on them which means that uh, cells like to be in a space that they are familiar with um, and you know are happy and healthy there Uh, so you know chances are cells from your liver probably leave the liver and at some point make it to some other tissue uh, you know they try to anchor there but suppose but i i i was diagnosed with stage 1 cancer or something mm, and mm, the first few mm, murderous mm, cells mm, were spotted why mm, can't you just adhere them there and not let them travel around why what, sorry could you why, why can't you somehow bind them there and not let them travel around right so so the traveling part is okay hmm. they're surviving in new places is what what is challenging right because uh, normally cells travel right you know they just don't you know you don't get a liver uh, or a, a you know a, a, a portion of your liver growing in some other part of your body right. uh, just because a few cells made made it there right and 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 that's not the case with tumors so tumor cells will make it to new places 
um, and will survive there um, and will grow and divide and know, do they do they again develop their own micro environments again they will they as a matter of fact for example this circulatory system that we've been talking about uh, is so vital to tumors that tumor cells actually uh, secrete things that will now allow blood vessels to come to that region mm. right so there is uh, this process of angiogenesis uh, that drives tumor growth and and supports tumor growth and and these cells know that without that circulatory system they don't stand a chance so so they are building their own circulatory system using the tools that uh, you know the body already has so so that's uh, one way to look at it that the cells make it to new places but they're doing well there is what's contributing to making uh, you know cancers as difficult to catch and and making it difficult to treat so if they will they they made it to new places but did not survive there you know you would not be so worried about this are there nanophysics like solutions to these problems now uh, so i will tell you that uh, i mean fluid mechanics has a way of looking into this problem yeah uh, how do you conceptualize uh, it so the concept is like this you know uh, so we were talking about this uh, mechanical signal of the ambient getting into the cell through the legs of the cell yeah right now there is a mechanism which is called as mechanotransduction by which the mechanical sig- these mechanical signals become electrical uh, signals i mean eventually they you know they give certain signals to the uh, most distant part of the cell membrane like the cell membrane which is located far away from the legs of the cell will also get this signal yeah so then the cell membrane which primarily has lipid that also has certain relatively more solid quote unquote solid type of entities called as lipid rafts right so once this stressful condition comes it is uh, it has been i mean researched and found out that these lipid rafts will try to move from cell membrane to inside the cell you you've done some work on this yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, lipid yeah. rafts are they just floating things and yeah, yeah. are they yeah. inside the cells so they are um, they are largely uh, so the the um, composition of lipids that uh, you know come together to create an architecture that um, are these uh, temporary things i so mean these rafts. are temporary things they seem to come together and go apart one of the challenges has been um, in the field has been uh, the contentious part of this is that they are very difficult to visualize right because there uh, there isn't so you can put a marker um, and look at its mobility on the surface of the cell and the fact that they are constricted in certain spaces is what's allowing you to think that there is some boundary here what do you think nagraj means when he says difficult to visualize mm. uh, visualize in a sense that uh, these lipid rafts i mean their dynamical uh, movements right the, see the all the entire thing depends on the kinetics of this lipid raft movement that means uh if the lipid rafts very rapidly move from cell membrane to inside the cell then the cell membrane becomes dynamically very adaptive its its membrane becomes so fluidic that by shape adaptation it can survive a stressful condition right right so, so it can just adjust its shape that that's what a uh, metastasizing cancer cell does So the question is now it all depends But that on could also lead to these cells themselves becoming larger right I think the change in shape could also uh, you know influence um, how the cell just reacts 
mm. right to an environment so the fact that uh, this um, organization of the plasma membrane and uh, the fluidity of the plasma membrane changes one thing uh, to note is that things that are moving on the plasma membrane like receptors mm-hmm. uh, you know have a certain mobility that allows them to uh, you know talk to each other or talk to other cell- cellular pathways um, and that will change very dramatically too right so so a lot of the cellular signaling changes as the organization of the plasma membrane changes well, the signaling itself itself will change and and interestingly there are yeah, you know there is now evidence to suggest that depending upon um whether the environment is soft or stiff uh, this organization of the plasma membrane could uh, change accordingly right now also oh, you mean you mean you mean it as a causal factor it, yeah absolutely right so 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 two things come into play now he talked about the um, uh, the uh, the membrane being in internalized and and brought in um, and that cl- clearly requires this mesh that is inside the cell which is the cytoskeleton right um, and then you have this mesh that's outside the cell which is the extracellular matrix yeah um, and they are both uh, working on the same membrane yeah right so the stiffness on the outside environment is now allowing things to bind um the plasma the uh, the extracellular matrix in such a way that now the cell notices if that stiffness changes and changes its behavior and for that change to happen or to be sensed to begin with this cytoskeleton that's inside uh, is also contributing yeah. right so the membrane is kind of the cell membrane is squished between something that's uh, on the outside that is a mesh and that's something that's on the inside that's a mesh um, and they both work on this membrane morphologically are they very different they are very different they are very different the way they are put together is different uh, some aspects are similar because they are both a network uh, you know in some cases um the cytoskeleton particularly is made up of individual subunits right. um so it's like uh, lego blocks that are put together and so you can create and obviously uh, inside there are microtubules and yes, so on there are well. microtubules as well and and so this architecture is um acting as a scaffold so, so the, in in the hands of an of a, of a cancer surgeon or something mm-hmm. uh, you 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 could actually look at a tumor mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. deduce something from whether it's dry or so be, whether it is hard or soft hard yes. or soft yeah absolutely as a matter of fact a lot of um, the research that's now looking at um, how um, tissue environments and their stiffness is contributing to cellular behavior uh, was greatly supported by the fact that there were surgeons who could notice uh, that you know the tumor that they just pulled out uh, you know has a certain stiffness and that varies depending upon in some cases the aggressiveness of the tumor so how virulent it is depends on how so the more in virulent cases, ones are more in some cases it's not necessarily there isn't a paradigm that says that you know uh, if it goes stiffer it's always going to be more uh you know more aggressive but again there are different kinds of cancers and different, different kinds, kinds of, of organs cancers. and so on absolutely so. and and the relative change in stiffness could also vary yeah so for a certain tumor the change could be two fold and that's enough Yeah. to make it from less to high a more aggressive uh, and in some that change may be more dramatic you need a 8 10 fold change uh, in 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 stiffness and uh, for it to again uh, going back aggressive. to someone's point of all cells are unique they kind of respond differently all our bodies are unique and so on absolutely so so that stiffness is uh, and and the ability to sense that is influencing how these cells feel um, react and then respond 
That right? could and be pretty then, interesting if one makes some progress with that. Yeah. No, what's I the, mean, what's I, the future? What's the future? Why don't we end with that? What's the future? What are some open questions? What would, what is a question worth knowing the answer to, Suman? Uh, in this context, in the context of dryness, wetness, slipperiness, and so on, is that is that an open question worth solving? Yeah, there are there are many open questions. Let's let's pick uh, the uh, yeah. most most daunting one. Uh, I mean, there are questions which are relevant to engineering, and there are questions which are relevant more mm. to biology. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, I think it is it is nice that you know we talk one in the context of the other right so the like in the context of what we have discussed so far uh, one very interesting problem that came out of the biological context is that there are situations when a cancer cell is migrating from one location to another distant location to the human body and creating a new cancerous trait there which is the metastasis right now, can the mechanism of metastasis be understood and be arrested? Exactly. So, that is an open question because if you look into cancer research, then a big part of cancer research uh, has been very successful in addressing the early stage cancers. So, what does the physicist in you say? Do you think it's a tractable problem? Uh, See, in terms of physics, I mean, it's it's beyond just uh, understanding basic laws of physics. Like, as a fluid dynamist, I can always tell you that how the cancer cell membrane fluidity is adapting as it is migrating from one location to the other, given the tumor microenvironment. So, the big question is, what is that tumor microenvironment? This microenvironment is dynamically changing. Are they, they must be almost, impo- because they're dynamic. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. impossible to characterize with any degree of uh, consistency. Yeah. So, so the, 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 you know, just to take off from where, uh, what Suman was saying, that that environment is uh, interesting because that's generated by the cells. Right? So, the cells are contributing to that environment. So, you know, mm. this when we talked about this change in stiffness of tumors and, and what that means to aggressiveness, uh, it's a chicken and egg kind of question. In some cases, you, you don't know whether the... I'm sure they the, both influence each other. They both influence each because other. Because we Absolutely. mentioned that the environment influences the Absolutely. cell, cell response as well. And together... The net, um, you know, response that the cell makes uh, is what is... Um, so, what's the future, Nagaraj? What's worth understanding? So, so, I think, you know, the coming together of um, the laws of physics to understand... And is there a master explain, glow in, inside us? So, it may, it may be... Is there one master protein which does... to say that does, there is one such is, thing. Are there proteins that j- do the job of only adhering, only... Which have only one function and that is to stick things together. So, this is again something that is uh, very characteristic of cellular systems that, you know, inevitably everything you thought originally did one thing, you eventually discovered, you know, did so, so every, much more. Everybody is multitasking. Everybody is multitasking. I think, you know, at some point you are thinking, you know, I, I do think that if we uh, at some point think this is the only thing that... So this that fibrin or something that you spoke of, it does other things as well. It, I'm sure it does. You know, <laughs> and, and you know, if I... I so mean, you can I say that. If, I, I, if you've done this long enough, you probably, you know, are inclined to think it's just a question of finding it out. 
right? right? Because um, that seems to be the basis on which a lot of this designing has been done. That, uh, you know, I, I don't think, um, and the context in which you look at may determine whether that's... It's just how people. life organizes itself. It There's is. economy it of is. purpose, you do a few things. It is. So, 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 you know, and so this bringing of, uh, you know, the physical aspects um, of uh, the physics as well as the mechanics uh, of cells to bear upon uh, what they do at the cellular biochemical, um, you know, genetic level, for example, uh, is where I think uh, a lot of the open questions lie. Uh, how is this overlap engineered? And, and, the... and clearly you and your colleagues are working on it. So you yes. feel optimistic that... Yes, I think I there think, are there are answers ahead and not just dead ends. No, no, absolutely not. I think you know for the uh, next hundred, two hundred years, yeah, enough questions. I, I think what we have understood so far from studying cells in the context that we have uh, is all now being put into practice to kind of take this forward. But I think that's where. Uh, the real challenges lie because even when it comes to treating diseases now, you realize that the context uh, is everything. And unless you completely understand cellular behavior in that context, and that context includes the physical nature of the environment that the cell is in and how it is reacting to that. Uh, Physics physical. is a part of the context. It's absolutely, obviously absolutely. You know, so that's where probably the open questions that will take us in the next you know 50 100 years will what's lie. your hunch suman we'll end with this is, mm -hmm. is is a master glue ahead of us uh, something it, that uh, is so, there in a nice little tube that sticks anything to anything yeah i mean uh, i mean uh, i know there are many different kinds of surfaces and it's a combinatorial problem yeah but, yeah it's a combinatorial problem and uh, just to add to the previous points i think there is there are also open questions on how the other fields, so we have talked about, you know, uh, the fluid as a uh, as a substance, the cell as a material, so to say, but say electric field right. as a field, right. you know, if we have embedded chips within the human body, yeah. can it influence the, you know, so-called migratory Characteristics can it do of, some of this regulation? Yeah, can do this regulation. Once you understand the context, so, which is Nagrad's job now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it is, you know, it will be a beautiful combination of science, I mean, physical sciences, biological sciences and engineering uh, to understand a problem of this complexity. Why I am talking about electrical field is because uh, most of the biofluids are also transporting ions. Mm. And these are, and most of the biological entities are charged. Mm. So because of this fundamental existence of ions and charged entities, they must respond to the to uh, electrical stimulus in a very, uh, I mean... There must be a common underlying... Yeah. Yeah. Electrical impulses yeah, underlying everything. I believe that these kinds of electrical impulses could do wonders in terms of altering the inherent mobility of a substance relative to the other. And this could be very low voltage. I mean, yeah. Then, then yeah, yeah. You're not going to give ourselves shocks. Yeah, so yeah, hopefully okay. in that future, <laughs> cyborgs are not going to have cancers. Yeah. Everything will be fine. Yeah. Terrific. Thanks to all of you for making it. And we look forward to having you soon again. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs>